0: Everyone, this is Eric Reno, and you're listening to part two of the Nerdalogs present Your Stories June podcast, featuring the theme of journey. Lots of talented, funny, and super cool people had stories to share with us this month about their own journeys, and this is an extra special episode for me, uh, as you will hear if you get to the end of it. So, holding on the funny this time, we've got theater producer Eric Parsons and a very special visit from literary and wrestling icon Stone Cold Jane Austen. Plus, we have actresses Allison McWilliams Brooks and Lauren Rodriguez getting serious with some heartfelt tales, and I do as well at the end, so that's something. Uh, There's also music from Dwight Hassler, special guest Marnie Thompson, and me, and at the end of the episode, I play my favorite song for you guys. So, uh, if you enjoy your stories, hey, why not come to one? Our next recording is Sunday, June 16th at the Public House Theater in Chicago, 3914 North Clark. It starts at 7 and, as always, is free to attend. The theme of the month is Indie, so if that makes you think of a story or something else you want to share, hey, come and share it and maybe get on this podcast. Uh, sign up infos on our Facebook event, which you can find by searching The Nerdalogs on Facebook or going to our website at www.nerdalogs.com. So here's my usual plug that if you enjoy the show and want to help support us, you can toss us a few bucks via uh, PayPal on the podcast homepage, which is yourstories.podbean.com to help cover things like web hosting. Uh, We'd very much appreciate it. What we appreciate more is everyone who listens to us at all. So hey, thanks again and we'll see you soon. So you might might have noticed that we have someone who's not me and Dwight up on stage. This is Marnie, yeah.
1: Marnie yeah. yeah. Um
0: We had a couple of requests to do, to do songs with guest performers this month and we thought it would be super fun. So everyone please welcome Marnie and she's gonna play the viola and <laughs> we're gonna do a song by Peter Gabriel.
2: Yes. Yeah.
3: See the city light
0: Two of the stories, let's have Alex Talavera's soon to be counterpart. Allison McWilliams Bros
4: <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I like Western Europe. So <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, So, Alex and I saw uh, Star Trek Into Darkness on uh, Friday, uh, which I realize I've been saying in my head, Star Trek Heart of Darkness, (laughs) (laughs) very different movie, you know, they go to Africa and there's a lot of uncomfortable racism. probably more Cisco, Um, but but the first thing I thought when uh, I saw it was just like, I bet my dad really liked this movie, Um, because my dad and I uh, both really love Star Trek. Um, Next Gen is our personal favorites, Um, but you know, we appreciate the other um, series as well. But my dad and I have had a really interesting um, life together. Do you guys remember um, in Calvin and Hobbes when there was this one time like Calvin's dad punished him and Hobbes and they decided to start their own comic strip called Dopey Dad? (laughs) (laughs) My dad is definitely a Dopey Dad candidate. Um, He's just a pretty big dork. Um, He's a huge uh, bluegrass and folk uh, music uh, aficionado. He owns like Fifteen or sixteen different instruments, and really great. Um, He's a really great guy, but uh, super dopey. And um, unfortunately for him, uh, he wanted one son. He got five daughters. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm the youngest of of five girls, and um, you know, like a lot of guys, like when their babies are born or whatever, they go out and like buy cigars or they buy a nice bracelet for their wife, which I've recently learned is called a push present, oh. which is Aww. such a gross term, <laughs> <laughs> um, but my dad bought himself a vasectomy. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, so, uh, yeah. uh, so once I found out that my dad had really like just wanted a, a boy, um, I decided it was going to be like my personal project to be the son he never had. And I was going to be, like, a really good son. Um, so we, like, played catch together, and he tried to teach me how to fix cars. Most of that didn't stick very well, including the catching of things. <laughs> but, uh, but something we really bonded over was watching Star Trek Next Generation together, um, which, like, no one else in my family really liked. I am amazed because my sisters are super nerdy people at the heart of it all. Um, but they're, they're not as into like sci-fi fantasy as I would expect. Um, so my dad watched Star Trek and uh, we weren't really allowed to watch TV when I was a kid, but I think my mom saw like my desperate attempts to bond with my father and was like, oh, all right, whatever. So we would watch Star Trek together, and um, we watched Alien Autopsy together. (laughs) (laughs) But but I really, like, we both just loved the concept of next gen, like, we we both really connected with and I was in love with Jonathan Frakes, Um, and my dad was actually the person who had to break the news to me that I was not going to be able to grow a beard. Um, uh, I, as precocious of a child as I was, I didn't get that, um, that girls didn't really do that. Um, So it was a difficult conversation, but he handled it well. Um, But then, like, kind of as as the years went on, And we kind of grew further apart. My parents got divorced uh, when I was in sixth grade. The sixth grade, sorry. Um, We still would like talk about Star Trek a lot and about the ideas behind the Star Trek universe and like the concept of striking out and finding your own path, but but doing it with people who are like-minded individuals. And um, and we started like kind of sharing other like secret nerd. Things that we liked with each other. Um, unbeknownst to my mom, my dad had installed Doom 2 on our first family word processor, and unbeknownst to my dad, I cracked his password. Um, so he didn't know this, but it was another special thing that we shared that we both surreptitiously played Doom 2. Um, and then, as, as I got older and was more of an, into my adult years. Uh, He introduced me to Doctor Who, and I introduced him to Firefly, and then eventually like the whole Whedon verse. And it was like a cool kind of special thing that I got to share with him um, that none of my other sisters really have with him. And uh, I've always kind of treasured that. And like, I look at Star Trek Next Generation very fondly and Star Trek in general, as like a great way for me and my dad to bond as father and son. Um, and now, uh, about a week and a half ago, um, my dad was diagnosed with um, posterior cortical atrophy, which means that his brain is shrinking, which is a very difficult physical concept to wrap my mind around. Um, but it, it's uh, probably caused by Alzheimer's, that's like the most common cause of PCA. I did a lot of research after I found out about it, and um, you know. Like most people do, I went to WebMD immediately and immediately freaked the shit out. Um, but it's, it's similar to Alzheimer's, um, but it affects the area of brain um, that deals with vision. So um, he's going to go blind and um, stop recognizing faces be- before he goes blind. Um, but then eventually he's probably going to have most of the other markers of Alzheimer's, like um, memory loss and you know, irritability and frustration. And... Um, So I get to see him next weekend which is great because we're getting married and I'm really happy that um, this is a slow kind of disease. So um, I'm glad that we get to share like this big important event together and that I'm still gonna have some like really good years with him. um, And then they're gonna get harder and that's gonna be challenging. um, But what I'm really still happy about is that like even in like 10 years, if he doesn't know who I am anymore. Um, and we can't really bond as like father and daughter necessarily, we can still just be Star Trek fans together. <laughs> and that can still be like our special thing that we share. And uh, even if he doesn't know that we've always shared it, it can still be like a new kind of journey that we take together.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much for saying that. That was, that was wonderful. Uh, coming up next, we have a producer of a comedy show uh, down in Andersonville called Democracy Burlesque, where only the politics are naked, Eric Parsons. <laughs> those, those politics are super hot. So yeah,
5: so yeah uh, for, for those who uh, don't know me, I've, I've moved a shit ton of times. I'm 34. I've moved 33 times. I've lived in 15 cities and 10 freaking states, motherfuckers. Um, I can pack a truck like nobody's business. Uh, and if you pay well, I'll be happy to be there for you. Uh, but yeah, so I actually had a really hard time coming up with my story for tonight, but I decided to go with the in- inimitable road trip. Uh, my very first real honest-to-goodness road trip that was mine and my own uh, with a buddy of mine. Uh, and I, it's partly out of, I, I've been uh, hearing a lot of nostalgia lately for like the mid-90s. Ugh, fucking <laughs> hipsters. Uh, so, uh, let's go back to 1995. Uh, yeah, I was a sophomore in high school and I was 15, which is very important to the story because it meant that I had my driver's fucking permit. <laughs> And uh, I lived in Gainesville, Florida at the time, which is an hour and a half north of Orlando and in the center of the state where, like, all the heat and humidity comes to die. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Don't go there. It's a great city. Gainesville's great. But the weather is the worst. Uh, I actually much prefer Chicago weather over it. Anyway, uh, my brother Spencer was coming in town for spring break. He was in college at the time. He's six years older than me. And uh, my parents were out of town. They were at a convention like until late that night. Sunday night. It's Sunday and Sunday night. My parents are out of town until 9 p.m. or so. And he's coming in on a plane at like 1.30 in the afternoon. And so I have a car, but I only have a permit. But I have a friend. My friend Mike has a driver's license. So we get it in our heads. We're like, hey, mom and dad we got this, we're gonna go pick Spencer up at the airport. It's only an hour and a half away, it's one highway, we'll be there and back, it'll be awesome. So my parents leave us with a credit card to buy gasoline (laughs) and I think like $10 in cash for food. Uh, Maybe, maybe, yeah, I think it was like 10 bucks. So my friend Mike and I get together Sunday morning, we skip church, yeah, fuck church. We hop in the car, and uh, we go around the city, and we, we run a couple, you know, around town, and we run a couple of our own little errands, because, yeah, we have a car! We can go! And so uh, we go and get we, we get some food, and then we we head out, like, right about time, you know, to head out to go get him. It's an hour and a half trip. We get, we're rolling down 75, listening to Queen, and, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody's playing, like, nobody's business, and we're having a great time. And then we st- Stop. There is road construction or some shit, and we literally sat on 75 for 45 fucking minutes. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, my brother's going to be so pissed. No, he wasn't. Because when we finally get to the airport, he's not there. He had flown in uh, from Atlanta, which was his connecting flight, and apparently... His friends who lived in Melbourne, which is like half an hour away, had come to get him and have him hang out with them for the evening, unbeknownst to me. Apparently, I find out in retrospect, there's a message on the answering machine. But I didn't know that. So we're there at the airport for three hours trying to get security, etc. And I'm like, I'm 15 and I'm here to pick up my brother. And I have no idea what the... How do we find him? Is he on the plane? And I don't know if you know this, but... Uh, The the assistance level of the people at the counter at airlines has not improved. (laughs) So imagine how much trouble you have now. Just same thing. The only difference was his friends had no problem getting him because apparently they had thought that he gave them the wrong time. He told them the time that he was leaving Atlanta. So they were there an hour and a half early, and we were there an hour and a half late. So they get in, out, and they could go right up to the, to the board to the, you could go right there to the gate. Gate, that's the word I'm looking for. You can't do that anymore. And so in, out, gone. Uh, and so my friend and I after three hours finally give up and we've uh, I had a calling card at the time. Killed the calling card. I have no calling card anymore. No minutes left. I have a credit card and no cash because we blew that on Taco Bell. Um... So we're traveling back home, and we've left messages with both my friend's parents and my parents. My parents still aren't back. They're supposed to get back in the evening. And we're driving down the road, and we're like, we had not eaten since 11 a.m., and it's like 5. And we're like, we're going to gnaw our arms off. So we're like, okay, we got to get food. Now, this is 1995, and you cannot use plastic to buy food outside of, like, a hotel. So we end up finding, like, a Hilton in order to, like, go to their restaurant and order a pizza which should take maybe, what, 15, 20 minutes like a New York-style pizza. This is not deep dish, motherfuckers. This is just dough with shit on it. Like, come on. <laughs> like, if Domino's can get a pizza to my, to my house in half an hour, then by golly, you can get one to my table in 15 minutes, right? Uh-uh. Took them 50 fucking minutes to an hour to get the to get this pizza to us Apparently, they sent out to Italy to get the dough. I don't know what happened And so here we are now uh, Eight seven hours into our one and a half hour trip (laughs) And we're on our way back and my friend Mike is exhausted and falls asleep and I'm driving and I'm the one with the permit But he's got the license and I'm like driving blow out the front tire (laughs) Like t- half an hour down the road towards towards home. Mind you, this whole time going, where the fuck's my brother? I don't know where he is. I'm going to be in trouble. My parents are going to come home and they're going to be like, where's your brother? And I'm going to be like, I don't know. Uh, and the car like does a 360 and ends up in the like what we call swales down there. It's like this like grassy, mucky sewer swamp area, and of course I can't, like, I don't know how to change a tire, I've never actually I I sort of know, but I not really and I'm trying to change it in the mud which, I don't know if you've ever tried to do that, the jack doesn't work, so we're there for an hour and a state trooper shows up and is like, what you guys doing? I'm like, I blew out a tire, and he's like okay, well, maybe somebody else will be along soon, and takes (laughs) off (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like Okay, I got this. <laughs> It'll be fine, right? Uh next thing I know, like finally, like twenty minutes later, another trooper comes up and he's like, you know, you could just drive the car up onto the the car still works, right? And I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, You could just drive but you're not supposed to drive on a on a UR in order to get it to where you can put the <laughs> wheel. Oh. <laughs> so I finally get the donut on. Now it says in big, giant letters on it: "Do not drive over forty-five miles an hour when you put on the spare tire." And I have a driver's permit, and I'm terrified <laughs> that, like, I'm going to get hauled into jail when somebody realizes that I'm a fifteen-year-old kid with a dri- because so far the state troopers haven't done anything. Um, they haven't asked me for ID or anything. Thank God. We get pulled over three times in the intervening. Two and a half hours it takes us to drive, because it's normally 70 miles an hour on 75, and we're going 45. So what is an hour and a half trip? We've literally, literally doubled that, you know, minimum, and we've already, yeah. So we finally get home, and it turns out, like, at, my parents have beaten us home. <laughs> my, my friend Mike's parents are there, and they are livid because they've been calling like the national guard and we're like dead on the side of a road and i'm like but we have this great story about going in but we did and oh god so the moral of the story really is when you start getting nostalgic for the 90s motherfuckers god damn it i'm not going back without my cell phone
0: without cell phones, guys. Can you imagine? (laughs) It it really is weird that like having to wait at home for people to call you before you can do anything, like, come on. Come on. Anyway, we are honored to have coming up to the stage next, Stone Cold Jane Austen. (laughs)
6: Oh shit, <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows. <laughs> I am Stone Cold Jane Austen, Queen of the Cities Beyond the Plain and King of Putting Two Boots in Your Asshole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
6: material. <laughs> I'm so excited to be doing a show for you here today But I really must warn you that this isn't going to be your mother's lily-livered quivering show, no <laughs> This is going to be a root-tootin' patootie-bootin' Vladimir Putin kind of show <laughs> your seat because I promise nothing if it's not a haze of trepidation a wave of titillation <laughs> and a day's <daze> of mutilation <laughs> Great, great, great We don't have too much time together, audience So we're going to have to raise hell and we're going to have to raise it quickly So can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah! yeah! Way more people than I was expecting <laughs> I like it? <laughs> you guys are in for Are these really hiding my thunder? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really it looks like Margaret Thatcher's bouffant hairdo
4: down
6: there. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that you want to see on a dark alley in a dark night. Okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, stories. <laughs> stories. Uh, the pub theater, it's time to do some stories. Everyone has stories. Maybe someone's going to tell one about their cat, or maybe about some Instagram. ...thing That they did. <laughs> <laughs> the guys that do Instagram. Or, maybe you'll tell a story about the first time you learned to make your dick do a little dance. Anyone? Uh-huh. Ooh. They love that one. <laughs> okay, well, maybe not. Maybe not. But I have a story that will literally knock the socks off of any story you've heard before. Would you like to hear it? Yeah! Right. <laughs> I am British. and as most British people are, I'm an orphan. <laughs> 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 I don't have any parents. <laughs> 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 I grew up in the city of Bath, which is a, a thing that I'm going to have to take after this because we're going to have to... Air it out a little bit. <laughs> uh, I attended the Bleak House School for Intransient Youth,
2: and boy, was it Bleak <laughs> House. And <laughs> uh, one guy loved it.
6: <laughs> uh, it Going straight to the top. <laughs> they had everything, but most of all, they had books. When I was a wee little whelp, I read nothing but books, and I'm talking the real crazy, freaky shit that they don't teach in schools anymore. I'm talking Kafka.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: The
6: Book of Revelation, Or as I like to
4: refer to it, the
6: bonus features in the DVD of the Bible. was missing from my life and I didn't know what it would be until it came booting through the door and that was a train tour by the World Wrestling Federation.
3: <laughs> I went straight
6: to Bleak House and that was the first time I had ever seen pile drivers and spandex and the machismo and I knew right then and there that I was destined to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> I mean Everyone's got to have a dream, right? Ooh, silence on that <laughs> Doesn't everyone have a dream here? Yeah. Oh, so you all have dreams then. <laughs> oh, so that is here
2: then. <laughs> I want to be a novelist. <laughs> you want to be a novelist? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I hope that's your real voice.
6: <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> Alex, you have an
7: incredibly high <laughs> <old> voice for <laughs> <laughs> But i
6: have written
7: word and
3: no one can hear my voice. Wonderful.
6: <laughs> 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 my <thoughts>. Alex, do me a big Tell me what you've done today to fulfill your dream. That thing that burns inside you, like a little kernel of something, maybe a shot of whiskey that just gurgles in your belly until you can't get it out unless you just do your dream. What's your dream?
3: I you need to my apartment all day.
6: What? <laughs> really, really, your entire apartment? <laughs> what are you going to do it? No, I did it today. Well, you fulfilled your dream. <laughs>
2: Off, Alex. No and <laughs> what of the Victorians taught us, it's that
6: you never give up. No. You're right. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could find some way to just dirty up, up your apartment and then clean it again. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was some grand force like entropy that would do that for
2: you. <laughs>
6: <laughs> All right, Alex. Well, The point is, after I saw this circus on a train, I, Indiana jones my way on, took it across (laughs) Siberia to America, the land of Federation wrestling. (laughs) And that is where I climbed my way to the top, stunner after stunner, until I was crowned the king of all worldwide Federation wrestling. I'm talking everything, but it wasn't enough. Alex knows what I'm talking about. You get to the top, and then you want to go a little bit further. So that's why I came to Chicago. Because why be just one actor on one stage, when you can be the greatest actor on every stage? (laughs) And that is precisely what I intend to do. But before I go, I have a little bit of a gift. Claire, if you would be so kind.
3: Thank you, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, Lorna
1: come on. Yay!
7: you yeah, to step over the roses. <laughs> okay. I was actually secretly hoping it didn't have to follow. That was amazing. <laughs> um, OK, so last month I talked about how much I lacked badassness, which is why the subject of journey kind of scares the shit out of me, um, mainly because I don't have journey stories, which I think is something that happens when you kind of follow the rules your whole life. Like, you don't really have that tale. Um, I also realized recently that, at 26, this should be my first season of Friends. Like, they were all 26, (laughs) their first
2: season.
7: (laughs) 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 Yes, watch it again, guys. 26, thank you, right here. Um, And I don't really have, I don't do any of the things that people on Friends do. Like, I don't have those stories. Um, So, what I was going to do was tell a story about Just that, how I realized that I've never gone through any journey, but there was a story earlier on that kind of made me want to change what I'm Mm going to tell. So I'm going to try to do this off book, which is a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess the only way I can frame this is in something I can understand, which is theater and literature. When I was younger, I read Hamlet, which is one of my favorite plays, and at that time, at as an 18-year-old, um, it meant something very specific to me. It was the first time that I had read any play that kind of touched me in that way. I thought that I hated Shakespeare up until that. I'm sorry.
2: Because yeah.
7: <laughs> uh, I had read Othello, like I had read the traditional Shakespeare plays, so and I I hate Othello. I still do hate those any of those plays. Uh, I had read Romeo and Juliet, and I thought that I hated it, uh, which now I love it. But for Hamlet. He went through all this shit. And it was kind of like his ability to tell you how he felt that really just kind of struck me. And then I watched the Kenneth Branagh version, and that really hit home for me. Um, Kenneth Branagh just drove that play home. And I always held on to that play, because I think that there's nothing that really touches you in the same way as when you read something or see something when you're a kid. Like, it just really affects you. And I think there's a lot of people who talk about things like that, kind of sticking with you and defining who you are. Um, and as a teacher I finally had this opportunity to teach that play Um, but as an adult it means something completely different to me I think that the only journey that I've ever really gone through and seen through fruition was uh, watching my father pass away and I thought that was something that I would never be able to go through Um, my father was an alcoholic so that was awesome and when he started to get sick I, there was not really internet at that time so I had a roommate who was a nurse so I like, ran to that version of WebMD, and I was like look this up like tell me what's gonna happen and I remember the moment where she told me like don't freak out I was like well that probably had the opposite effect <laughs> that you were hoping and I read what was about to happen in my life and I remember freaking out and not having the opportunity to talk to anybody about that was probably the scariest part of it. Um, I was only 20 at the time, so not many people had gone through the passing of a parent. And so there wasn't anyone to kind of bounce that off of. And that was really scary. Um, but eventually we went through the whole thing. Um, my father and I had a very tenuous, a very strained relationship up until then. So it made that experience in and of itself different, I think. Um, But at the end of it, I knew that I had to get back up, and I had to keep going, and I had to do that on my own, and that was really scary, but I did. Um, And now I teach Hamlet to my kids, and it means something completely different than it did that. And if you don't know, Hamlet is a story of a man who loses his father, and at the very beginning sees him. Um, And I ask my kids every year, what would you say, like what would you do? Because for them, most of them, it's just a play, like it was for me at that time. Um, And a lot of them say, like, they would ask, what happened to you? Like, why did you die? And this year, it really stuck out to me because one of my kids raised her hand and she would ask. She said she would ask, are you proud of me? And I think that that really sticks with me because that's the question I wish I could ask. Are you proud of me? And I think that that's really what scares me when I think about not having a journey because he did. He went anywhere he wanted to go. And I could stand up here and tell you all the great things that he did or why we didn't get along, but that wouldn't be the story I wanted to tell. I think that going through something when you feel like it's on your own and going through something when it's the scariest thing and you think you know what's gonna happen is really hard, but reaching the end when it isn't what you thought it was going to be and it isn't the end of the story and it's just the beginning, I think is the most important part. And if I could just be here to tell anybody that, that it isn't what you think it's going to be, and that one day you're going to be standing here and you're going to be able to help somebody else through something that they think is just going to be so scary and so hard, then really maybe
2: Maybe that's the journey. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lauren. Um, I,
0: uh, if you'll indulge me, I know we're running a little late. I don't feel right piving anyone else to go up after that, so I'm going to tell a story that will start kind of down and hopefully end up, so that whoever (laughs) went after me does not have to follow that. But sincerely, thank you for sharing. I just don't. Want to make anybody else do that? So I'm gonna get this guy. I'm gonna get my harmonicas out.
3: Boo! Music is dumb.
0: <laughs> I was on the fence about whether or not to tell this story, but I think because Allison and Lauren uh, were both very honest, I will go ahead and do this too. So um, my grandma passed away four months ago. At, at during the January Your Stories. In fact, the phone was ringing to tell me that she had died while. It was playing music, pre-show music, and I'm like, oh, I don't even recognize this number. Why should I answer the phone? And it rang 20 more times during the show with a terrible message, and I had to bolt out of here. And it, it was funny, because it was the first night in this theater, and it was a wonderful night uh, until that moment. It was like the weirdest high and low, which I think we've seen tonight. We've seen Stone Cold Jane Austen, to <laughs> the, the death of parents, uh, you know, highs and lows. Um, And for a long time, I lived in my grandmother's house in the suburbs. She had given it to me when she had to move into an assisted care home, and I kind of took care of it. And, I mean, obviously, I spent a lot of time up here. And her passing away was kind of my impetus to, like, to take that journey and just be like, you know what? Why am I here anymore? Like, what? Why do I need to stay in the suburbs? I don't. So... I did some math, and I found out that it actually makes a lot of fiscal sense for me to move to Chicago, even though I feel very decadent about doing it. (laughs) So, a few weeks ago, I got myself uh, with Danny Bass an apartment up on the north side, and I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, And um, I'm going to segue this for a second. So I think, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Joseph Campbell, um, but he has this kind of monomyth, which is like, basically, it lays out the steps that any kind of uh, typical journey will take. And the first step is call to adventure. It's the thing that tells you you know it's time, it's time to, to take this journey, to, to get on this path. And uh, I think if there's one song that is exactly that stage, it's the, I mean I think it's it's my favorite song ever, I think it's one of the best songs I've ever written. And I think it is perfectly the call to adventure stage. It's Thunder Road by spring Springsteen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Funny side note, Dwight wanted to play this that in January, and I'm like, no, I want to I wanna save this song for something. <laughs> How weird that this came about. So I haven't played this in a, about a month, so pardon me if it's a little rusty.
1: Waves. Lack like of vision, she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. Hey, that's me and I want you only. Don't turn me home again. I just can't face myself alone again. Don't you run back inside, darling. You know just what I'm here for. So you're scared and you're thinking that maybe we aren't that young anymore. We'll show a little faith, there's magic in the night. You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're alright. Oh, and that's alright with me. You can hide neath your covers and study your pain. Make crosses from your lovers Throw roses in the rain Waste your summer praying in vain For a savior to rise from these streets Well, I'm no hero That's understood All the redemption I can offer Is beneath this dirty hood With a chance to make it good somehow Hey, what else can we do now? Except rob down Busting open these two lanes could take us anywhere. We got one last chance to make it real. To trading these wings on some wheels, climbing back. And heaven's waiting down the tracks. Oh, come take my hand. We're riding out tonight to case the promised land. Oh, Thunder Road, oh, Thunder Road, Thunder Road It's lying out there like a killer in the sun I know it's late, but we can make it if we run Oh, Thunder Road, sit tight, take hold But tonight, we'll be free girl All the promises will be broken There were ghosts in the eyes of all the boys you sent away They haunt this dusty beach road In the skeleton and frames of the burned out Chevrolets They scream name and night in the street Your graduation gown lies in rags at their feet Before dawn, you hear the engines roaring on. But when you get to the porch, they're gone on the wind. So, merry climbing.
0: Sponsored by the Chicago sketch comedy troupe The Nerdalogs, and is recorded the third Sunday of every month at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago. The stories you heard have been prepared and presented by the speakers on a volunteer basis. Special thanks to Sean Patrick Boyle for his help with recording. Our theme song comes from the band state shirt. For more information on The Nerdalogs, your stories, and everything else, go to www.nerdalogs.com.